This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. And welcome everybody to a special episode of the Animaniacast. Friends, we'll paint any ceiling for just $29.95. Right. How do we do it? No overhead. In fact, when we get through, you'll have nothing overhead. And if you hire us, you'll have nothing in your head. We paint ceilings, ceilings, and only ceilings. We don't paint floors because they're beneath us. And welcome once again to the Animaniacast. We are the only podcast out there that's dedicated to the animated series, Animaniacs. And today we have a very special episode. We have an interview and discussion with a very talented writer. But before I introduce him, I am Joey. And joining me are my co-hosts, Nathan. Here's the show's Jamie. And Kelly. Hey there. And for the first time on the show... We have with us the very talented animation writer from Animaniacs and many other cartoon series as well. It's Mr. Charles M. Howell. Hello. Here I am. <laughs> Hello, Charles. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, you, have, uh, you have actually, of course, written many, many uh, of our favorite episodes of Animaniacs, and uh, we have several questions to ask you about your involvement in the show and uh again it just should be a lot of fun hopefully and uh i think we'll we'll all learn something i'm sure oh god uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes okay yeah we we just learned a lot about skype setting up actually the, the last uh, hour <laughs> boy oh boy charles and i were we had a whole other podcast going on called the how do we set up Skype here? What's going on? This is—it was a lot of fun. Was, is yeah. that on our Patreon or? What? Yeah, we have a Patreon account. <laughs> we'll do a bonus episode. <laughs> no, I don't know if we'll do that. Well, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> Charles, let's go ahead and get into our discussion here. First of all, sure. um, how did you get involved with uh, writing for not just Animaniacs but just cartoons in general? How did you get involved in the industry? Uh, I went to CalArts and I studied uh, film specializing in animation. I always wanted to make cartoons when I was a kid. I just, you know, I thought, so I did animation at first and um, uh, I started out as an assistant while I was still in college as an assistant animator and then became an animator. When I was uh, first an animator, well, not for like maybe the second year uh, in the 70s there, uh, I shared a cubicle with Tom Ruger. We, we were there, uh, and also Mauro Maressa, who is a great effects animator. I think he's mostly at Disney now. But we all shared a cubicle together. And, you know, it was a time when a lot of the people who had been in animation since, like, the 40s or the 30s, or like Tom and Jerry writers and, mm -hmm. you know, all these people and, and animators and everything. I mean, we had people like Kenny Muse coming in with his walker to, to pick up animation to do it. And he was great. And um, so then there was a whole generation. There were like ten people 10 years younger who were like in their 50s or 60s. I mean, I'm 23 or something. So I figured 
I'm going to end up being an assistant animator for like 40 years because everybody's like in line. They're going to be ahead of me and everything. And, um, and Tom suggested, and then for a while I did storyboards because the way the production seasons worked, you could start off the season doing storyboards and then you could do animation and you'd work the whole year because everything, you know, it was three networks only in those days and everything premiered in like September. And so you, you tried to do what you could. And Tom Ruger said to me at one point, you know, it'd be better to write. And I, you know, we're never going to, we're never they like all these 80 year old guys writing and directing. <laughs> and everything. We're never, we're never going to be able to do that. Uh, but he said, yes, we will. And, and you know, animating, you get a little, you get scenes to animate that are like five seconds long and it's all very laid out for you. The person does a head turn, the character does a head turn and then they walk over here and whatever and they lift their arm or whatever, especially in TV. And um, then with storyboards, you get a little more control. You get like an act of a thing that you, where you're laying out. And I'd gone to film school. A lot of people who were doing storyboards were like um, comic book guys. And they didn't know how to lay something out so that you could actually animate it. You know, they would they would do like a comic book. Film. Anyway, so Tom said, "Let's do, let's try to write," and he got a job at uh, Filmation, writing. And then I went over there, and we were both writing at Filmation, and um, he was very successful there. I got I got canned almost. <laughs> I, I was there like two months or something, and I got canned. I don't know. I never got along with the. Uh, the guy was ahead of the right. I mean, I, I thought I was getting along with him, but he was always very weird toward me. <laughs> and uh, uh, I, I thought somebody said later that it's because I'm gay and that he was uncomfortable. But, mm. you know, I don't I'm, I wasn't like making passes. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was just being like me. But, uh, anyway, he did. He did can me pretty quickly. And Tom, uh, at some point, uh got hired over at Hanna-Barbera. And he was the assistant to the guy who was the head writer on Scooby-Doo. And the guy says to him, just hang on because I'm going to quit and you'll be, you'll be the new head writer of Scooby-Doo. This is Tom's first writing job. <laughs> and, oh no, it's after filmation. And um, so the guy quit and uh, Tom was there and I started getting... Uh, you know, he said, come over here and whatever. And so I started writing Scooby-Doo episodes for Tom Ritter. Wrote, wrote a whole bunch of them that first couple of years. So that's how I got in. And then uh, I've worked for other people. But when Tom uh, went over to Warner Brothers uh, in the late 80s, I think maybe 1990, uh, I followed him over there and uh, started writing. You know, Steven Spielberg had made this deal with Warner Brothers Animation. And he wanted to do an animated show. And, you know, TV animation in those days was was it was very limited and, and um, uh, everything. And, uh, I mean, there were some great shows done, but, man, you know. Uh, and so uh, Steven Spielberg wanted to do a fully animated show, fully scored, uh, you know, all these things, um, and funny stories like the old... Uh, like the old Warner Brothers cartoons with references that, you know, the people who get the references, that's great. But the cartoon is, is you know, a five-year-old can watch the cartoon and be entertained, but older people can get some of the jokes or references that, uh, that younger kids can't get. So anyway, so we started doing that. And it was Tiny Toons at first, uh, which was 
designed to be, it was actually going to be younger versions of the regular Warner Brothers characters. It was going to be like young Bugs Bunny, young Daffy Duck. You know? And Tom told me that they had pitched this. I don't know, maybe he's told you this too. Um, and the merchandising people at Warner Brothers said, you know, we have signed contracts for Bugs Bunny merchandise for like 20 years. To be this story, Daffy Duck and everybody, if it's young Bugs Bunny, they will say they already own it. So, or they already have the rights to that. So it was just turned into like Buster Bunny and Plucky Duck. But we were essentially writing those characters and, um, and we just had fun with that. And then after that, uh, the uh, uh, Animaniacs happened. And that, then we were able to be a lot more free with what we were doing and everything and, and just sort of entertain ourselves. Hmm. So, 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 I, so there I was, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I made friends with Tom and Gene McCurdy, who was Gene McCurdy, uh, great. You know, there are executives and network people and stuff who micromanage. They're going to rewrite every joke. They're going to do everything. And it's, it's just horrible. Gene McCurdy and Steven Spielberg, you know, you hire the people you like that you think are entertaining and, uh, then you let them do what they do. And Stephen would like steer us. And he would say, well, maybe let's not do another one like that. Maybe to do something, you know, whatever. But then he would basically leave us alone. And um, so it was just a real pleasure. And it spoiled me in a way. I mean, I, I, I haven't had an experience like that since. Um, so it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It was great, great. And then uh, I went on to Pinky and the Brain. And um, Peter Hastings uh, was the uh, head writer for its first season. And then he left for Disney. And then I took over that. And my writing partner and I, Gordon Bressack, had uh, written several uh, Pinky and the Brain cartoons for Animaniacs. And so, uh, and Gordon was off doing his own series. He sold a series called uh, Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys, which mm -hmm. didn't get play here it was it did well overseas but they couldn't get the toy it was hallmark and mattel and they couldn't get the toy into toys r us it was a competitive year for boy toys mm -hmm. anyway so we did two seasons of that and then i was able to get him to come back and work on thinking the brain toward the end but um so that, this is a basic life story. Any, anything else? Well, that, I think we're all wrapped up here now. No, I'm kidding. Of course. <laughs> there we go. Let's, good night, everybody. <laughs> no, thank you. No, that's that's a that's a great uh, rundown of it, of exactly how you got in. Uh, Kelly, I, you mentioned uh, someone very important right there in there. Do you have a Do you have a follow up question for him? Um, what did did you have a lot of one on one interaction or you know person person interaction with Spielberg or? Um, do you have any interesting stories to share about him? No, I met him and other like Tom Ruger uh, met him a lot more, um, you know, but, uh, you know, yeah, I met him on occasion. I don't really have any stories. I mean, I, that one thing about him saying that the third mouse, that he had film students who, uh, who wouldn't. Uh, oh, yeah. Who we, wouldn't... we talked about that right before we started recording. Tell us, you know, again, real quick about about that, because uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, Spielberg said at one point we were doing uh, uh, the we, we were looking for Orson Welles things because because Brain's voice is kind of based on Orson Welles, mm -hmm. uh, and and so we were doing 
you know, we, we did various things that took his movies and parodied them. And uh, we came up with doing The Third Mouse, because uh, The Third, the third uh, Man is one of his great films. And so we did that, and we did all the jokes we could think of, you know, that we could do parodying the scenes from that. And uh, Steven Spielberg said later, he said, I have film students who don't get the references <laughs> in, in that cartoon. But we entertained ourselves, and it was a good cartoon. We did it in black and white. And I think except for Pinky's nose or something, which was in red. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to do that. Um, one, of the, one of the most fun cartoons that Gordon and I wrote. It is so sad. Her brain's passing. Where? I give up. Poor brain. He loved rainy days so. He would laugh and say the sky was crying. Yes, and then he hit you on the head with a pencil. Oh, those were the days. Have you seen him lately? Why, no. Why do you ask? Why would I see him? What are you suggesting? What do you know? The lyrics to Yakko's well. Please, no! Well, first of all, let's talk about just comedy in general. Who were your some of your biggest um, influences when it comes to writing and or comedy in general? Well, uh, the, the Warner Brothers cartoons, for one thing, mm. the, the old Warner Brothers, the Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies. Uh, but also, you know, I Love Lucy was a favorite show of mine. And, and then as I got a little older, uh, you know, I, uh, Kaufman and Hart's plays and some stuff like that where, you know, you just you just – you just get a feeling for it. I mean, you don't, you don't really learn it in terms of a specific craft, but you just, you sort of learn what makes you laugh and what's funny. And, and you kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. That's, so, that's what a lot of, uh, of the writers kind of said is that kind of just, and again, I think you, you know, essentially speaking to this as well, that you wrote about what made you laugh as a kid and what you just really thought was funny. There was never really a thought when you were writing Animaniacs that, will the kids not get this reference? Things like that. It was, there was some times where you said, this is, this is too obscure. Or, uh-huh. or you, at the end of Pinky and the Brain, then we started to get network involvement. Uh-huh. And they, they started getting more. Uh, uh, and so we had to think they wanted us to parody things that kids would be familiar with more. So that's when we did uh, Brainy the Pooh hmm. and the Star Wars uh, episode and things like that. And, uh, and, and on uh, Pinky Elmira and the Brain, we did, uh, you know, a, a thing where they take a trip to Disneyland. And so, but we were, still, we were still putting in jokes uh, that amused us. We did, uh, uh, and, you know, Brain was just hated going to Disneyland. And, uh, and Pinky was so excited by the ride. And so then we did one uh, where Brain was going to pick what they were going to go to next. And it was the, the Hall of the Secretaries of State. <laughs> <laughs> and he, was so, he came out of the saying, boy, that Dean Rusk animatronic was just really great and picky at that point. Like, <sighs> okay. So, so, you know, we still put in jokes that, that we like. Um, Can I go on a ride now? Uh... I'll take that as a yes. Wee! Oh, Brain, I love the teacup ride. 
Pinky, get out of that woman's teacup. Oh, sorry. But uh, I love Lucy and and the Warner Brothers cartoons, and they've served me well. I've been doing some acting late. Mm-hmm. I've been doing some Shakespeare around town here in Los Angeles. And uh, they asked me on one thing, uh, I was auditioning or whatever, they said, can you play a drunk? I said, sure. And there's a character in, there's a character in the, um, uh, in the Taming of the Shrew. Uh, no, no, no. Measure for Measure. There's a character called Barnardy. Who's, he's got one scene. You've got a one, two minute scene. So I, I did what I, I just, I never said this to them there because it's Shakespeare. But I basically did vitamin to vegemin, <laughs> Daffy Duck, you know, and it was like Daffy Duck doing vitamin to vegemin. They loved it. And I did my scene and the LA Times actually mentioned me as one of the great comic supports in the production. So, <laughs> so I love Lucy and, and, uh, and the Warner Brothers cartoons really uh, are it. Oh, fantastic. That's so funny. Nathan's Nathan's wife is a Shakespearean actress as well, by the way. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mostly in Phoenix now, but yeah. <laughs> she hasn't done anything in L.A. yet. But well, I mean, I'm doing small theater here. I yeah. Mean, you know, it's it's still small theater. You just got a lot of actors here. So there's mm-hmm. there are people who want to do this. But what has your wife done? Um, She was in the Southwest Shakespeare Company down in Phoenix. So she did uh um, Mary Wives of Windsor, um, and she was in uh, Much Do About Nothing. Um, Mary Wives. Uh, Mary Wives. Uh, she was one of the wives. <laughs> Ford or Mistress uh, was Mistress Ford and or Mrs. Had, Ford. She was the one with the daughter, which I don't know. I think that was oh, Ford. Mistress Page. Page. Okay, there we go. And so, Page. Like, yeah. <laughs> who slender is that with? That was. Um, yeah. So that's that's a that's a great. Oh yeah, they they had a lot of fun with that one. And, and speaking of which, I think they kind of didn't the director kind of put that Mary Wise of Windsor in a kind of I Love Lucy esque kind mm-hmm. of direction. It was very it was a blending was, of I Love Lucy yeah. and Mary Wives of Windsor. So it was well, like you're watching kind of a sitcom ish nineteen fifties Shakespeare thing. It was mm-hmm. really cool. You see comedy uh grow from, you know, I mean Aristophanes. Uh uh, wrote these uh, these great comedies, and and then you come up to Shakespeare, and everybody's building. Is it Aristophanes? Yeah, I think he's a comic playwright. Uh, and everybody's building on sort of what went before, and I mean, you can see some of their structure and some of their kinds of jokes and stuff going all the way through up to up to I Love Lucy and and up to you know Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain. Um, so you know, comedy, comedy's kind of a, a, a timeless art. The only thing that, that changes are the references. You know, if you're doing if you're doing something with contemporary references, uh, those might be a little tough. And if you're doing wordplay, <laughs> Aristophanes comedies have a lot of puns in them, and you just people t- you you have to have footnotes to read them. But they were really clever puns, just like we would do on uh, on uh, one of our shows. You know. Mm-hmm. Back then, they were clever puns. <laughs> now they're written, they're written in Greek, so you know what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, they, some some puns do not quite uh, you know last the thousands of years if it's in no. They, well, they do. They don't translate the the fact <laughs> that two words are similar in a language. Not when you go to another. It's hilarious. Language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I had noticed he would help write uh, Hard Day's Warner. And I yeah. remember reading in the notes that Spielberg didn't like the violence and a lot of violence had to be cut out of the episode. Do you remember anything about that? Or I don't remember in that. Spe- I think what we did in that episode pretty much stayed intact. Yeah, we, well, would get, we would get notes from time to time. Uh, oh, Spielberg doesn't like the characters arguing that much or something. And so we'd, we'd, we'd uh, pull back. I did, a, I did one Good Feathers uh, cartoon. Yeah, to the, to the, to the, the dump. dump. Uh, and I wrote this thing. And, of course, we looked at Goodfellas. Uh, and I watched Goodfellas over and over again to write that cartoon. And I put in a bit uh, that, with you know, there's the Joe Pesci thing in Goodfellas. You know, what am I, a comic here to amuse you? So I did a thing about a lifesaver. He, he pulls uh, Squint or whatever the character out of the water because uh, they, they're going to get, you know, uh, those those six pack rings stuck around them and everything. And he pulls Squint out of the water and uh, Squint says, oh, you're a lifesaver. And so I did a thing. I'm a lifesaver. What am I, a fresh minty candy here to amuse you? <laughs> and I went back and forth. That was pulled out of the episode because Sherry Stoner, who was editing, said, Stephen doesn't want them arguing so much. So she put something else in there that I thought was really lame. And then, but then <laughs> later, there was a, there was another uh, Goodfeathers cartoon that she used. And I guess that particular dictum eased up a little bit. So she, she put my lifesaver bit in one of her uh, Goodfeathers cartoons, which always kind of pissed me off, frankly, because <laughs> you know, uh, She's getting credit for that. But that's what happens. You know, everybody's working to do things. And she took it out because she thought they had, she had to take it out at the time. And then she was able to use it uh, later. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so there were times when he would say, I, I don't want the characters arguing so much or mm. things like that. But sort of just as general notes. Okay. Uh, um, and um, and we would, uh, you know, Gordon and I wrote. Uh, hooked on a ceiling, which we were told at the time. <laughs> Tom Ruger said this is the template for how the for how the uh, Warner Brothers uh, and sister cartoons ought to go. But then suddenly, after that, we turned in like our next thing. And, oh, you no! Know, Stephen says that they're that they're like heckling too much. That they shouldn't just be annoying. That you had to do so. Uh, but hooked on a ceiling got in where they're basically heckling Michelangelo. And, and then, uh, and then after that, you know, we we tried to shake it up and, and there was more, uh, I don't know. Uh, there were different kinds of things. And, uh, so, but, uh, hooked on a ceiling is a cartoon that I'm particularly proud of. Uh, yeah. Gordon and I had a, a lot of fun writing that one. It's my favorite. Is it? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we had a lot of fun doing that. And um, and Stephen makes a little guest appearance, which we were told when we turned it in, uh, oh, Stephen's sick of us having him, you know, as a joke in a cartoon or whatever. He says he just doesn't want He says, you know, it's too much. We can't do that all the time. And we said... I don't know. We we had that gag at the end where E.T. and God are doing their thing, whatever it was, and uh, Steven Spielberg. 
And so we have to do this joke at the end. We have to do the thing where, you know, oh, you know, the, he's coming, you know, the most important, he's coming, he's going to judge this, he's going to whatever. And then you see that you pan up and you see that it's Steven Spielberg. So there's nothing, his eminence, his eminence yes. is coming to look at the painting. Oh, his, we have to get everything ready for his eminence, whatever. And then you pan up and you see that it's Steven Spielberg. And we said, what, what are you going to do? to substitute for that. So that one got in and I, I think it, uh, I think it worked. Yeah. I think it makes the episode. Yeah. yeah. What do you do if you can't do that as a punchline? So don't worry, Mike, you go say howdy. We'll finish up. Your eminence. I'm so glad you could come. I've worked so hard to please you. I hope you like my ceiling. Ah, I'm ruined. Mikey, he likes it. Painting is like show business. You have to know your audience. <laughs> I, I'm curious what um, inspired you to write the episode to, be, to begin with, you know, the idea of the Sistine Chapel and my well, friend. Uh, uh, Tom Ruger gave us a lot of like names of people that they could go in and annoy. And, and, uh, and Tom said, um, you know, Maybe Michelangelo, he's painting the Sistine Chapel, and he needs assistance. He needs help. So he hangs out that painters wanted, and they go in uh, as house painters and, and do all that. And, and so that was the basic idea. And, then, uh, and uh, then Gordon and I went off and wrote it. It was like a one-sentence thing from Tom, but it was a really good idea. And, uh, and then we just did, you know, on the, we did some Animaniacs comic books at one point, and Gordon and I got... Uh, a reputation among the fans of the comic books for doing a lot of puns and for doing a lot of, you know, those are cheap jokes or whatever. So, uh, but we did a lot of those in Hooked on a Ceiling and in a lot of our stuff. Whatever made us laugh. Uh, on the Animaniacs DVD featurette, uh, it's called The Writers Flipped. You, right. uh, you stated that working at Warner Brothers at the time was one of the times working on a, a cartoon was described as fun um now you also however said that you broke things <laughs> writing uh broadcast nuisance and gordon bresick said uh that you were you guys were considered troublemakers uh inside the building and they, and they wouldn't let you inside the building i don't know is this how oh guys... it's just we no we got a deal where we could write at home and still get a staff salary okay <laughs> that around and oh well we were troublemakers they wouldn't let us inside the building. That's not really true. Okay. Uh, we, we just, uh, uh, we got a deal where we could uh, work from home and uh, and it was a lot of fun. It also sort of, I don't know, we did it because uh, we thought it would be uh, easier and everything. But what happens is you're kind of out of the loop. People in, in the building are kind of meeting with each other and talking to each other all the time. And, it, and we did feel after a while that we were kind of, you know, a little disconnected uh, from everything that was going on. But we, we had fun anyway. And, you know, you say writing was fun on this. Every cartoon is fun in some ways. I mean, it's, it's, it beats digging ditches, you know. And, <laughs> and I had fun on Scooby-Doo. I had fun uh, writing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
Uh, Gordon and I just recently did a show called Word Girl, which is a hilarious show. We had a lot of fun writing that. So, you know, I mean, I think Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs really were special. But um, this is a fun thing to do for a living. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a job that I know many people are envious of to be able to get a chance to do that. Uh, Nathan, what kind of question do you have? Um, so I, I see that you wrote uh, the Don't Tread on Us on the Animaniacs show. It's the yeah. Pinky and the Brain episode. Uh, right. I think we're going to talk about it next week, actually. But uh, did you write that before you started writing for Pinky and the Brain? Or was that, that was you were writing? For the- that was a Pinky and the Brain cartoon for Animaniacs. Because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Pinky and the Brain came along later. Yeah, well, I, I think it's uh, when that aired on Animaniacs, it was... Pinky and the Brain was airing at the same time. So I'm just wondering if you'd written that for Animaniacs before you'd started Animaniacs writing for Pinky and the Brain. It was a show with all these segments in it. We had the Warner mm-hmm. Brothers, Warner Sister, and then we had Pinky and the Brain. And there was a lot of things, you know, the hip hippos and all these other yeah. good fellas, uh, good feathers. And uh, so, yeah, Pinky and the Brain, we, we wrote a lot of those uh, to be used in Animaniacs. But there was a point where uh, the WB was starting up. The Warner Brothers, they were starting up their own network. And there was talk that maybe Stephen would get a Pinky in the Brain show on as a, as a separate primetime show. So there was a point where Tom Ruger said, we're just going to write a bunch of Pinky in the Brains for Animaniacs. Because if, if the show sells, we've got a bunch of stuff ready to go. And if the show doesn't sell, we can put them all in Animaniacs. So we started, <laughs> We just wrote a lot of uh, of. Uh, Pinky in the brains at that point, and th- there was a, there was a. Uh, I when you said um, uh, don't tread on us, that's the one. The colonial, where they go George mm-hmm. Washington left. tries to change the constitution, and yes, uh, we put a gag in that that we really liked, <laughs> but it got taken out uh, as they're getting off the boat. Brain says something. Here we are, Pinky. It's the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we did a zip pan over to uh, 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 an Indian, a Native American, and a black man in chains. (laughs) (laughs) And he got the Indian. uh, The black man says, "I'm not buying it." And the Indian says, "I have my reservations." Uh, and then we zip pan back to them. And, and Tom said, oh, you know what? It's a funny gag, but somebody's mom is going to be walking through the room and they're going to say, well, what was that horrible thing of a black man in chains or whatever? So uh, we, we can't do that gag. So the gag came out. But we, we thought, you know, I have my reservations. I'm not buying it with, with those two uh, people. We, we really loved that. We were sad to see it taken out. But I think, I think Tom was right. It, that's the kind of thing that people, you know, just see and they just think it's horrible. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for these words from our lovely sponsor. Way to kiss up, Dot. The kids of the 70s and 80s are all grown up, but the good times of childhood don't have to end. Our generation can share the fun and fandom of our youth with the next generation and bring the past into the future. And wrap it all up to make a fantastic present. Join Jedi Schwar and Shaz Bazaar every Monday morning to get your work week started by reminiscing about the past and exploring the future with your earbuds on Techno Retro Dads. So find us on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, or on RetroZap.com. Part of the RetroZap Network. 
Hey, Robert, why should people listen to another retro gaming podcast? You mean our cast, David? We do have to keep this short, you know. Yes, well, I guess we should start with the fact we celebrate old school video games. And we have awesome guests and game giveaways. Don't forget that. Plus our game show and your favorite segment, Random Select. <sighs> Don't remind me. Are we done yet? Listen to our cast, another retro gaming podcast, part of RetroZap.com. Finally, back to my beer. It seems it's time to return to Kids WB. Are there any characters that you wish had gotten more screen time? You know, we were lucky to write mostly for the Warner Brothers and Warner Sister and for Pinky and the Brain. And, and you know, what can you say? I mean, they Pinky and the Brain was interesting because there really were very few supporting characters it was just them in most episodes we we there weren't many guest star parts over the course of that so you know anyway no we didn't uh i, I can't think of anybody who i mean i i wish i was still riding pink in the brains i wish that went on and on and on and we could still be doing it but as far as within the shows that were done i can't think of any characters that uh got more screen time we only wrote a couple of i i wrote a a, a slappy squirrel thing and I think maybe Gordon and I wrote one together. Uh, uh, rest in pieces, I think. I wrote rest uh, in pieces. Yeah, that was me, and uh, and Gordon and I wrote another one together. Uh, but frankly, I I I enjoyed I enjoyed Pinky in the Brain so much. Uh, I I just I love those two characters. Um, they're they're really uh, they're both such complex characters, and. Uh, uh, and my God, we got so lucky with the actors on that. Uh, Mo LaMarche, I think, was the heart of that show because uh, he always failed. And Pinky, of course, was zany and crazy. And uh, so it was just they, they just worked off each other so well. And we were we were just incredibly fortunate to uh, to have those two actors. And and of course, Tom created Pinky in the brain. And um, yeah, so I mean, honestly, I could do with less of the hip hippos. <laughs> and, and some of those Mindy and Buttons, you know, I don't know. I'm, I just feel so lucky that I got to work on uh, Pinky in the brain so much. They really were kind of like an Oliver Oliver Hardy and uh, Stan Laurel combination, weren't they, in a way that, I mean, brain is kind of the leader, I suppose, of the two. However, and just like Oliver Hardy would be considered like the alpha personality in the Stan Laurel combination, but he's just as as bad as Pinky, really, when it comes to it, isn't he? I mean, he's just like a little kid, uh, has well, to get his way. And somebody, yeah, he's a five year old. Uh, <laughs> I would get writers who would try to make them like a couple, you know, like like it's a gay couple or something, and that's not that's not what they are, and it cheapens them. Uh, Pinky is like a five-year-old and he tags along with the brain because it's so fun to, you know, he's just, he will do anything, you know? And, um, but I, I, I think they were a little more complicated than Laurel and Hardy Hmm. because brain, the thing about him wanting to take over the world and he failed every week, he failed every show. And, um, and which gives it a lot of emotional heart. Uh, but also, you know, he's doing something 
that you really don't want someone to do. I mean, you know, Adolf Hitler tried to take over the world. You know, you re- that's really not uh, a sympathetic thing. And yet, with the brain, it was, uh, uh, we cared about him, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he did whatever. Look, I'm I've, tearing I've up thinking about these characters. They, they, are, <laughs> they are such great characters, and that show had so much um, heart to it, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... So there you go on that question. Uh, but, you know, people have compared them to Laurel and Hardy. People have compared them to Ralph Cramden and Norton. And, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those classic partnerships, but it has its own. It has its own depth and it has its own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. So Absolutely. It wasn't just about gags. It was about it was about those characters. Um, did you you mentioned uh Maurice LaMarche, uh, and did you ever have a, a chance to sit in at any of the recording sessions for any of those? Yeah, I went into all the recording sessions. Of uh, 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 when, By the time I was a producer and head writer, I went to all the recording sessions. I didn't go to all of them when I was just writing. Uh, but when I was a producer and head writer, uh, I, uh, I, I went to all of them, basically, I think. I don't think I missed any. Mm-hmm. And no, and he's great, and Rob, they're both great people, too. They're both really nice people to work with, and, um, yeah. Going back to just general writing for shows, I guess I just want to, like, I, I noticed you have, like, like single episode of, like, Darkwing Duck and, like, a single episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Is it, like, how do you get into, is it weird writing, like, for a show that you're not, like, no, the whole series of it, or when you're between, I mean, I would get things like you know the Snorks, for instance, <laughs> and you're writing the whole season. You know, you're writing for the whole season of that. But then when you're sort of between things, you call people and you try to pick up single episodes. I, I liked Darkwing Duck and I liked Teen- Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles. I just was I, on both of those. I was kind of in between things. At Hanna Barbera, at that I think those were both while I was at Hanna Barbera, and a single episode of Johnny Quest, and yeah. which was also Hanna Barbera, but it was like, you know, uh, it was between seasons of other things. Uh, okay. But all those were fun shows to work on, and actually, Gordon was uh, a story editor on uh, Darkwing Duck, and that's oh. how I happened to get uh, script assignments there. And I actually did two scripts for Darkwing Duck because they thought it was going to be picked up for another season. So there was a, a second script that I did and uh, that never got made. And uh, so, but no, I, I did two, uh, two things for them. And um, yeah, so it's always Ooh. fun. And those yeah. were great. Those were all great shows. Those were all uh, great properties. As we say, they were all uh, Johnny quest was uh, a great thing. Darkwing Duck, uh, and, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, which they mm-hmm. which keep rebooting and re- doing new things. <laughs> and I got to do the one kind of uh, where we introduced the female turtle, Mona Lisa. Oh. And that was, that was a lot of fun to do. Um, and I feel kind of privileged that I got to write that one. <laughs> but Charles, uh, you mentioned uh, Gordon Bresek. Um, Quite often, how how was the what is the collaboration like between you two? What is it like to work with Gordon in a in a you know I was going to say in a writing room, but I guess at your house or wherever you happen to be. 
my house, his house, you know, uh, we would go back and forth. Uh, he's just a, he's a very funny guy. And I think the key to a good partnership is uh, he and I procrastinate well <laughs> together. You know what I mean? We like old movies and we like, you know, so we can talk about all that kind of stuff and, uh, and, uh, and then get around to the actual writing. Uh, but uh, we, we hang out well together. Uh, and, and we wrote together. I mean, I guess some writing partners are like somebody does something and then they give it over to the other person. I don't know. But he and I always, always uh, wrote in a room together. We just would make each other laugh. You know, we would just crack each other up. And then if it's if it's funny, you put it into the cartoon, you know. So I don't know if that answer your question. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. You had mentioned um, a few moments ago talking about the Turtles constantly being rebooted. Well, do you have any thoughts about the Animaniacs revival slash reboot? All the all the rebootings of any of these properties uh, happen because uh, some executive wants to do it, obviously, and it's a good thing to do it. And usually in order to sell it, they get, oh, we're going to get, you know, so-and-so to, to, to some, some guys like a hot rider from some TV show or something to come in. So, uh, unfortunately the original writers, uh, usually don't get to work on these cause they bring in somebody who's like the hot new thing and he's going to hire his friends because he's going to hire the people that he has fun working with. And so, um, so I, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it comes out. I mean, some of the Scooby reboots have been have been great, and um, so so we'll see what happens with it. I, I think it's the, a good characters uh, always live. You know, they just uh, they will just keep coming back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a it's an Animaniacs reboot primarily, isn't it? Uh, they'll probably yeah. do some of the Pinky and the Brains and stuff, but it's an Animaniacs. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, Pinky and the Brain will be in every episode. I think we read somewhere about that, but yeah, I don't know. They said that like, in the press release, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, details are few and far between. They I don't are, think it's. It, I don't think it's been really worked out yet. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of new. So I'm sure all that will change. Uh, <clears throat> I hope Bindi and Buttons aren't around. But I mean, <laughs> there's some of the it's like, well, we could do with. Yeah, there's no mention of hip hippos. For some reason. I... <laughs> yeah, thank God. Uh, at one point, though, you know, I, I had a lot of... Peter uh, did the first season, which was 13 episodes. Uh, and I think he had a whole year or more. I think he had like uh, 14 months and whatever to do 13 episodes. Then he left. When the, when the tough get going, you know, when the tough... Uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get out of town. He went over to Disney and um, and did some great things there. And I was put in charge of the show. And I had one year to do 52 episodes, 52 half hours. So I had to do one a week, which was really tough because they're not – I mean, you can say there's a formula to it because he fails every week. But you've got to come up with – you've got to come up with a good situation. Uh, yeah. for him every single week and a good twist at the end and everything. And, uh, and I do remember Tom Brugger said, I don't think he was serious about this because he was, he was sort of on my ass about, 
getting these done. We, we, I didn't do them in 52 weeks. We, about a year and a half it uh, took us to do them. And, uh, and Tom said something about, uh, you know, you just got to crank some of these things out. How do you think we, how do you think we got so many Mindian buttons? <laughs> <laughs> that was, his, I think he was joking, but he, he wanted, uh, he wanted us to work faster and, uh, you just got to come up with a good, with a good story. And we would have, you know, we'd have writers come in, uh, and they'd submit something a story idea, and, and all of them thought that it was about what his plan was to take over the world. And they would come up with these kind of Rube Goldberg things, you're going to do this, and it's going to cause this to happen or whatever. It's not about that. It's about what situation are we going to see him in for the length of the show. And then we'll work backwards. And I would I would, would always suggest them, speaking of I Love Lucy, I would always suggest to them, you know, Lucy in a vat of grapes. Do you know that episode? Yes. Famous episode, which is in a vat of grapes, or vitamin to vegemin. That's we're tuning in to see our star in a great, funny situation, and then we'll come up with why why he's going to take over the world by doing that or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know. That was my approach uh, to writing the show. Well, uh, you know, Charles, we we I think we've just scratched the surface on on. <laughs> all this but unfortunately we're, we've run out of time already it feels like it feels like we just got started um but uh my goodness you know we're we're going to be talking about pinky in the brain episodes and into the future so um thank you so much for being on and and we'd love to have you on again uh you're i think you're we can tell just by talking with you that you really do care about the the characters that you wrote about and and they really are dear to your heart and uh Again, just thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about how you know you wrote them and uh, and the whole if process. I anything, if I said anything mean about anybody, <laughs> cut it out. Oh yeah, yeah. don't worry. We'll we'll take out that whole rant at the at the beginning. Don't worry. But um, but before we uh, wrap things up completely, uh, tell us uh, what have you been working on uh, recently that we might be uh, you know know about. You know, I've been such a dilettante with this acting thing. Uh, the uh, uh, I got some financial freedom from doing Pinky in the Brain and Animaniacs. And, um, and so I've, I've been doing this acting thing and I've, I've, I played Polonius in two different productions of Hamlet. That's another character that I care about a lot. And, um, you know, and so you just, so the, I'm doing that, but it, it doesn't pay much money. Uh, but yeah, so that's what I've been working on. You're in this business to enjoy yourself. And sometimes it pays money, and sometimes it doesn't. If you can get away with uh, doing something that doesn't pay a lot of money, mm-hmm. do you have any upcoming productions that uh, our audience, if they live in the L- you you live in the L.A. area, correct? I do. do no, you- I don't do anything at the moment. I don't. I'm, I, there's a, I have a play that I'm trying to write, and so that's what I'm really doing lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like in the recent weeks. Mm. Uh, so yeah. So. Uh, you know, there it goes. Oh, fantastic. Okay, well, uh, Charles, once again, thank you so much for being on. Uh, we really do appreciate you uh, on as we you know, continue to explore the Animaniac series and beyond. So just, uh, again, it's been a real honor having you on, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for asking me. It was, it was a lot of fun. Great. Uh, well, 
Nathan, Kelly, I think it's time we get to some contact information. Nathan, where can people get in contact with you online? Hey, Joey, I'm on Twitter. I'm surprised you didn't know this. Uh, oh. Django FT. I think you follow me. So that's true. I keep forgetting every week, and yet I have to keep oh, asking you. And you know, you I also forgot Kelly's contact information as well. So, <laughs> Kelly, where can people get in contact with you online? I'm on Twitter at Yoda Princess, Y O D A P R N C S S, or email me Kelly at BigShinyRobot.com. Okay, writing this down this time. Uh, I just I, I forgot it already. I'll ask you next week. Either one of you want to, uh, you know, Joey's a friend on Facebook, so you can. Uh, uh, we're common friends, or whatever. You, you can uh, uh, you can get that information from his page. And, uh, and there you go. Uh, yes, and get Char- <laughs> Charles is on Facebook, but tries to stay away from Twitter and, and other. It's things just like too that. much. It's too much to do all those things and Twitter and Instagram and this and that and I. Uh, so no, absolutely, friend <laughs> Facebook. All righty. Well, uh, and uh, as for the Animani cast in general, we're on Facebook, too. You can join us on Facebook. You can join us on Twitter and Instagram. We are on all those social media things. Uh, And, of course, you can also email us as well at animaniacast at retrozap.com. And speaking of retrozap.com, well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the home of the Animani cast uh, archive. So you should head on over there. And while you're there, you can see all the great other podcasts and articles and all the other information that RetroZap.com has in general. Just every kind of pop culture item is there waiting for you. So check it out, RetroZap.com, and subscribe to the RetroZap podcast feed on your favorite podcast player, and you can listen to this podcast and all the other 21 podcasts that RetroZap has to date and growing, because by the time this comes out, we might even have 22. I don't know. So... With that, for Nathan and Kelly and Charles, this is Joey saying good night, everybody. 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 <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds of the Animaniacs characters, or any other Animaniacs-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Warner Brothers, Amblin Entertainment, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast, unless otherwise indicated. Nobody gets in to see the wizard, not nobody, not no how! But I'm Michelangelo! <laughs> the witch is Michelangelo? Well, now that's a ceiling of a different color! 